The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. Today I'm starting with a correction last week in discussing a White House press secretary, Kaylee McEnany's claim that the odds of what happened in terms of the vote in four different states were one in one quadrillion. She also said the odds of that happening in four states is one in one quadrillion raised to the fourth power. I, with no explanation, said that's not how exponents work. That was very unclear and, and really inaccurate in the context in which I said it. If one in one quadrillion were the right numbers at the state level, raising it to the fourth power would give us the combined probability. In theory, that is how exponents work. By not explaining, I may have not been clear, and I apologize for that. I will try to do better in the future. Uh, let's get on to the week's news. It's a truly a tragedy what's going on in this country in general, but I'm talking right now about coronavirus. I get that we're a huge country geographically. We have 330 million people. I get that. But we're some of the worst of the worst in the world, and we are now having a 9-11's worth of deaths on one day regularly. And the numbers are potentially going to get much worse before they get any better. Now, I know many people on the right, including Donald Trump, like to say, well, everyone is seeing the same thing that could not be further from the truth. And I want to examine that with you today because we really need to understand just how terribly we are doing. The claim is everyone's seeing the same thing. Cases are spiking here. Cases are spiking there. Italy, you know, Sweden, whatever. Uh, that's mostly based on this spike in mid-October that we started seeing just like many other European countries. But there are two really important differences to understand here. The first is that when the U.S. started seeing its October spike, <clears throat> that was already our third spike because we had spike number one in April and spike number two in July. So middle of October, we're on spike number three. That's a key difference, because in Italy, for example, their mid-October spike was only their second spike. In other words, Italy successfully suppressed the virus throughout May, June, July, August, September, early October. So when we were entering spike three and they were also spiking, they were only on their second spike. So that's a huge difference. And that applies to just about all of these European countries that did not have the second spike we had just as importantly. These European countries that started getting a spike when we did in mid-October, most of them have already suppressed the spike and they've seen a decline from the highs of about 50 percent of new cases per day. So as an example, we look at Spain and you see that, yes, Spain started having spike number two at the same time that we started having spike number three. But their trend line for the seven day case average is already down by half from where it peaked. If you look at another example like France, you also see that while they spiked in mid-October like we did, their cases are already way down. But when you look at the United States, we have this spike that started at the same time, but we are reaching new records just about every day. This has been one of the biggest failures of any presidential administration ever. It's globally shameful, but it is a tragedy in terms of its uh, its toll on human life and suffering. 
And it's going to take time to fix this now. There's no way around it. And, and we know that on January 21st, every coronavirus death will be blamed on Joe Biden by these Republicans. All I care is that we fix it. If now they want to start wearing masks and social distancing because Biden's president, then do it in order to show I don't know what. I don't think that that's going to be their reaction. And of course, it's too late for the 300,000 people that died already. It's too late for the many that recovered from serious cases of the virus and still have symptoms and unknown long term effects that we don't yet understand. The good news is the FDA has approved an emergency use authorization for the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine. I've been saying BioNTech, but someone told me it's BioNTech. Uh, that is approved, and we're going to talk about vaccination momentarily. December 17th, which is uh, what is that, Thursday, the FDA will be meeting about the Moderna vaccine, and we'll have a more detailed report later in the week about that if indeed it is approved. And we'll talk more about vaccines momentarily. But this is a cautionary tale about what not to do. This is not about taking, you know, it's so depressing. Uh, Don Jr. early in this entire fiasco said, oh, Democrats want people to die to make Trump look bad. <laughs> no, I have not. I've not found a single person on the left or a Democrat who wants people to die. Uh, what we do want is that those responsible for the failed leadership be held accountable. In a sense, Trump was because he lost the election. But this is really a cautionary tale about what not to do. And part of what not to do is don't elect a buffoonish and competent clown to be president of the United States. Let's talk about vaccination. The FDA has authorized the Pfizer BioNTech coronavirus vaccine. They did it on Friday night. Now, it came under a cloud of allegations that either Trump or his chief of staff, Mark Meadows, or someone called the FDA director, Stephen Hahn, and said, approve this today. And when Stephen Hahn was interviewed about that over the weekend, he didn't deny it. He just insisted everything was done based on the science. And to me, that's a pretty clear non-denial. But the point is, we now have an approved vaccine. The same vaccine has been approved in the UK. It has been approved in Canada, and now it has been approved here in the United States. Vaccination starts today, as far as we know, with high risk health care workers believed to be getting top priority in all 50 states. Ultimately, states decide how to allocate and prioritize the tranches of doses that they will be receiving. We have three million doses already fanning out across the country via logistics and shipping companies over the weekend. One hundred and forty five different sites will be receiving the vaccine today another 400 sites tomorrow, another 60 something on Wednesday. Now, there is not uh, nearly enough supply, even if now we say we're just doing medical workers. We don't yet have the supply to inoculate every doctor, nurse, hospital security guard, receptionist, phlebotomist, other workers who risk being exposed every single day. We just don't have enough doses yet because the vaccines can cause side effects like fevers and aches for a, a day or two. Hospitals also can't even if they had all the doses, they can't give it to everybody at once because everybody might be out sick the next day. Obviously, it's only a fraction that actually get the side effects, but it's it, you have to stagger it in order to avoid even the possibility of that. So this is going to be a process. Uh, residents of nursing homes who have been disproportionately suffering the death by coronavirus are also expected to be top priority. And again, this is all based on expected shipping. We're expecting to see some nursing home residents start to be vaccinated next week. New York's first coronavirus vaccines have arrived, 
and we're expecting vaccinations today at uh, Long Island Jewish Medical Center and maybe even a couple of other locations. Most people's eligibility based on prioritization is likely to put them sometime around spring for being able to get a vaccine. The New York Times reported that the administration had a plan to uh, vaccinate all of its own staff, including people that work around Trump, even though these first doses are supposed to go to healthcare workers. And apparently there was not good reaction to that. Donald Trump canceling that by Twitter yesterday, saying, quote, people working in the White House should receive the vaccine somewhat later in the program, unless specifically necessary. I have asked that this adjustment be made. I am not scheduled to take the vaccine, but look forward to doing so at the appropriate time. Still, we are going to have to deal with vaccine hesitancy issues among some, and that's raising questions about whether all available doses will even be requested once we get. My expectation is now with the doses going to healthcare workers and still not having enough for all of them, every dose will be spoken for for now. In the nursing home phase, I believe every dose will be spoken for. Once we get a second approved vaccine, Moderna more than likely, and we see the next layer, which is likely going to be the oldest folks, if you don't have the demand that you expect, and as of right now, 60% of the country plans to get the vaccine, 40% of the country does not, you could have a situation where even these early batches of doses uh, don't get uh, swept up. And in that case, there's going to be some real questions. Now, uh, you, you know, the the idea would be that over time, as you start to see, oh, my kid's school requires uh, that parents be vaccinated. I don't know if that's possible or eventually if the vaccines are open for kids, the kid to be vaccinated. Or if I want to fly with this airline, I have to be vaccinated. If I want to go to a sporting event, I have to be vaccinated. That will probably push the number of people wanting the vaccine up from 60. They will call it a mandatory vaccination. Of course, it won't be. It will be if you want to partake in a certain service or business, then you have to choose to go and get a vaccine. It's up to you ultimately. But we could have a situation where because of under use of the vaccines due to lack of interest, you're going to have a situation where people may well be able to jump the line. And what I mean by that is if hospitals are giving the vaccines to their workers, they know who qualifies. If nursing homes or homes are giving vaccines to their residents, they know these are our residents. Once you get beyond that, from what I've been reading, CVS and Walgreens aren't going to ch check. Do you really have diabetes? Is that do you actually qualify right now under the you have to have one or two comorbidities? And so the opportunity to jump the line is likely to be a real thing. Now, at the same time, if not everybody wants the vaccine, you may have doses left over. And I don't know how it's going to be chaotic to some degree. My approach is going to be at no point will I act in a way where I am taking a vaccine away from someone who's higher priority than me who wants it. If it becomes clear that the doses are not actually being swept up by the people who are next on the list and there's an announcement of come and get one or pay a hundred bucks and come and get one because we have doses unclaimed that will go bad if somebody doesn't get vaccinated, I would absolutely do that. But I have no interest in jumping the line if it's going to actually take a vaccine away from someone who is up next in terms of the vaccination protocol. That's my mindset. And uh, we're going to take it a week at a time and track the number of people who have been vaccinated, remembering 
that you are not considered sort of at maximum inoculation until seven days after dose number two. Very, very important to remember that. Let me know where your head is on vaccination. I'm on Twitter at dpacman. We'll take a quick break and continue with more right after this. The David Pakman Show at davidpacman.com. One of our sponsors today is Helix Sleep, and it's a sponsor I'm thrilled about because I sleep on a Helix mattress at home, and it's just the perfect mattress. One of the best things about Helix is you don't have to guess which mattress do I need, which one will be good for me. You take their famous sleep quiz on their website. You tell them your body type, your sleeping position, your back pain issues you might have, and they will pair you with a mattress that will be perfect for you. I took the sleep quiz. The mattress they suggested was exactly what I needed. I often get too hot at night. The mattress keeps me cool. It's not too soft. It's not too firm. The texture is right. And I've just been getting way better sleep. You only buy a mattress every decade or so. Don't get stuck with something that's not perfect for you. And all Helix mattresses come with a 10 year warranty and they'll even come to your house and pick it up within 100 days if you don't love it. But I think you will. All of my viewers will get up to $200 off your order and you'll get two super premium pillows for free when you go to helixsleep.com slash Pacman. That's H E L I X sleep.com forward slash P A K M A N. You can also find the link in the podcast notes for this episode. What if you could read 10 books? in just one sitting. That's exactly what one of my favorite apps lets you do. It's called Blinkist. And what they do is take thousands of popular nonfiction books. They condense them down into text or audio that you can consume in 15 minutes. Blinkist makes sure that you're getting all of the important core insights from each book. So it's perfect for exploring a book you otherwise wouldn't have time for. If there's a full book you're thinking about buying, you can use Blinkist to get a sample first. Just think how much you can enrich yourself by being able to soak up an entire nonfiction book in just 15 minutes. I recently checked out the book Podcast Marketing Strategy by Daniel Rolls and Kieran Rogers, and so useful, so particularly applicable to what I'm doing. Really recommend it. Blinkist has books on politics, philosophy, science. They have 27 different nonfiction categories and a subscription is only about eight bucks a month and you get access to the entire library. But you can try it totally free and get 25 percent off a subscription when you go to Blinkist.com slash Pacman. That's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash Pacman. The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. Remember that this program depends on the support of our viewers and listeners to exist. You can grab a membership and support the show at joinpakman.com and get the daily bonus show, an extra show just for you. The Supreme Court, which was held up as a major, major, major shot at uh, overturning the election thanks to a bombshell lawsuit for Donald Trump has completely anticlimactically rejected the case 
And this has made Donald Trump and many of his supporters absolutely lose their minds. Now, as a reminder, this was a lawsuit we discussed last week on the bonus show. Uh, it was a lawsuit by Texas backed by Donald Trump suing to throw out or block the voting results from four different states. Now, the idea was Texas sued, claiming Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania and Wisconsin were fraudulent or, as Trump says, fraudulent and should be prevented from certifying the results, which officially happens today, December 14th and may already have started by the time you listen to today's show or watch these, the, 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 uh, this clip. The idea was get this to the Supreme Court and then Donald Trump's three Supreme Court picks will defiantly and heroically support the lawsuit and stop today's electoral vote certification. Now, the Supreme Court said no. <laughs> Justices said Texas doesn't have standing to bring the case. We'll talk more about what standing means um, a, a little bit later. But this entire bombshell lawsuit that they've been claiming is going to just interfere and overturn the results. It's gone in an instant with the Supreme Court decision. The president absolutely lost it. Check this out. Donald Trump tweeting that the Supreme Court chickened out, saying, quote, the fact that the Supreme Court wouldn't find standing in an original jurisdiction matter between multiple states and including the president of the United States is absurd. It is enumerated in the Constitution. They just chickened out and didn't want to rule on the merits of the case. So bad for our country. Now, of course, what's bad for the country is a president who clearly lost, unwilling to concede unwilling to say he will go to the inauguration, unwilling to admit that his voter fraud claims are not based in fact. That's bad for the country. Trump then wildly tweeting in all caps. This went on for hours, really even days. Most corrupt election in U.S. history. Trump continuing to go at the Supreme Court, saying that, quote, the Supreme Court had zero interest in the merits of the greatest voter fraud ever perpetrated on the United States of America. All they were interested in is, quote, standing, which makes it very difficult for the president to present a case on the merits. Seventy five million votes. Now, of course, Trump got seventy five million, but Joe Biden got way more uh, and won the Electoral College. Trump's White House press secretary and senior campaign advisor, she's both Kaylee McEnany, appeared on Fox News with Sean Hannity moments after the decision on Friday and said the Supreme Court dodged. Yeah, there's uh, no way to say it other than they dodged. Uh, they dodged, they hid behind procedure, and they refused to use their authority to enforce the Constitution. So look at how quickly, number one, friends become enemies for Trumpists. This is typical of narcissists. It's very, very typical. You're the friend and he's built the greatest Supreme Court with his three picks. And thank God Trump got to pick him instead of Hillary except now the Supreme Court is chicken and the Supreme Court dodged. So very quickly, friends become enemies when the paradigm is narcissism, uh, uh, weaponized narcissism. And number two, look at how quickly the goalposts are moved. First, it was we will overturn states with recounts. Recounts didn't work. And then they said, well, right. The recounts recounted fraudulent ballots. So, of course, the recounts are fraudulent as well. We need to throw out ballots. Couldn't present any evidence. Every court said no. So next it went to prevent certification by states, but states certified. So it was sue to block December 14th certification. Go to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court said no. Now I'm, there were more intermediate steps. I'm giving you the highlights. They're irrelevant. 
they'd always find more steps, more reasons to say donate money to us to fight this or to fight that. There really is no end to it. The reality is, if you thought it hadn't already ended weeks ago, we now are at the end. And at the end of the show, I'll tell you about today's electoral votes officially being cast. They won't be counted in Congress until the first week of January, presided over by Mike Pence. That'll be a day. But we'll talk a little bit later about what's going on today. So uh, Donald Trump actually granted a post election interview now that the Supreme Court rejected hearing another bogus lawsuit about so-called voter fraud. This wasn't a real interview in the sense that Trump would be asked actual questions and put in a position to defend his claims with facts. It wasn't an interview in that sense. It was actually the opposite. It was an interview where Donald Trump was given the repeated opportunity to make claims not based in reality without being challenged on anything. And the interviewer is Brian Kilmeade from Fox News. Despite claims that Fox News has gone liberal now by Newsmax and OAN, Brian Kilmeade was there to ensure that no one for a second could think Fox News remains anything but a right wing propaganda channel. And to be clear, there are countries where if you do an interview like this while claiming to be a reporter or journalist, you would be publicly ostracized and you might even have to resign from your job because you would be so ashamed, publicly shamed for doing an interview like this in the United States at Fox News. I guess you sort of get an attaboy for doing an interview like this. In fact, Brian Kilmeade helped Trump spread the lies in this first clip. Brian Kilmeade echoes the lie that Donald Trump has previously told, which is when Barack Obama left office and Trump took over, the military had no ammunition. They had no bullets. The, the cupboards were bare, which could not be more of a brazen lie. Take a look. Thing you accomplished, you took over a military that was cut by 25 percent. Yeah. Uh, that only had three brigades ready to fight and was out of bullets. What have you done in the four years since you to change that? Entirely rebuilt military uh, like never before. New missiles and rockets and tanks and ships and planes. And we have the F-35s coming in by the hundreds, as you know. Uh, when I took over, we had a depleted military. We had no ammunition. I'll never forget a very overrated general coming to see me and saying, sir, we have no ammunition. I'm sorry. This is my first two days in office. Right. And I say no president should ever have to hear that and no president should ever be spied on either. You know, so we we set a lot of records, but uh, we have a totally rebuilt and our nuclear is now tippy top and just hope to God you never have to use it today. The idea that our military was out of bullets is so absurd that it's hilarious if you understand the stranglehold that the military industrial complex has over our country and government and economy, including both Democrats and Republicans. It's a laughable claim. Trump, by the way, also slipping in the lie that Obama spied on his campaign, which at this point is a comedy. You know, it's it's a comedy meme outside of Trump world. Trump then went on to revive another completely bonkers notion that he previously tweeted about, which is that, listen, if you need proof that I really won this thing, election night, the bookies had me winning the election. And so clearly Joe Biden must have stolen it. This actually has to be seen to be believed. But in a sense, it's logical. Casino guy Trump says, look at the bookies for proof that this was stolen. Uh, the election was over at 10 o'clock in the evening. I had won. It was 97, 98 percent. All of the bookies all over the world were saying the election's over. They wouldn't even take bets on it. 
and then all of a sudden around 11 o'clock, ballots start getting dropped. You ever see the graph where you go like this and then it goes up to this guy? Tens of thousands of ballots were being illegally dropped. Uh, the machines are the worst. Uh, Dominion, Dominion, nobody even knows who owns it. Uh, these machines are controlling our country. So it was a rigged election. It was a, sh it was a really a, a sham and a shame. When you uh... at least now he's calling them massive ballot drops rather than massive dumps. But what he's saying is not any more logical. He lost the election plain and simple. Now, this next clip is amazing because it, it's the height of projection. Trump says he's worried. He's worried, guys. Trump is worried that having an illegitimate president would be bad for the country. <laughs> now, now, when Trump says an illeg illegitimate president, he means Joe Biden. But of course, Joe Biden won. So it's Trump who would be the illegitimate president if he somehow figured out a way to stay in power. When you uh, when you look at this fight, though, you have 77 percent of Trump supporters who believe you won the election, according to a, yeah. a Fox poll. I've heard, I've heard actually much a, higher numbers. There's, than a, that. there's a rally right now in Washington for that. Do you worry about the country being divided as if it goes to inauguration and they still feel that way and you still feel that way? No, I worry about the country having an illegitimate president. That's what I worry about. A president that lost and lost badly. This wasn't like a close election. Uh, you look at Georgia. We won Georgia big. We won Pennsylvania big. Uh, we won Wisconsin big. We won it big. But your guys we won all of these states. Do you think your legal team has proven that? Well, we don't. We never get a chance to prove it because a judge will say, "Well, I'm sorry, you don't have standing." Like, how about me? Texas and all of these states, uh, 18 or 19 altogether, they come in. Think how nice that is. Where they actually come in, and they say, "We want to support you, sir, because you're important to this country. We want to support you." They go in and they say, "The states don't have standing, and I don't have." I'm president of the United States. I just got 75 million votes. The biggest number of votes in the history of our country ever gotten by a sitting president. By the way, let's not forget the absolute travesty of Brian Kilmeade setting up these softball questions for Trump, a, a, a true journalistic perversion. He should be ashamed of himself. But Trump continues to just be unable to be parodied because what he says is so ridiculous. He's worried we might have an illegitimate president. Yeah, I am, too. We just disagree about who that would be. I think the guy who won would be the legitimate president. Trump thinks the guy who won would be illegitimate in that it's Joe Biden in his mind. Now, this next one is interesting. Brian Kilmeade actually asks Trump who rigged the election. Now, if we actually that that that's like question one point. If you first ask, what do you think of the results? And Trump says they were rigged against me. The first logical journalistic follow up is who rigged it and how? And it starts to get a little more interesting. I didn't lose. The election was rigged by who? By the Democrats and actually interesting by the Democrats, but by local Democrats, meaning state Democrats. They outsmarted state Republicans. You know what I do? I do two things. I run a country and we cut taxes and we did all of the things, regulations, space force. So that's Trump continuing to throw the state Republicans under the bus. Now, of course, a real journalist, if Brian Kilmeade were one, would have had a dozen follow up questions based on this. He didn't. But it's interesting to see Trump throw state Republicans under the bus because that's code for people like Georgia Governor Brian Kemp who was unwilling to do illegal maneuvering to try to steal this election for Donald Trump. And that's very interesting because it's not praise of Brian Kemp in any real way. Brian. Remember, Brian Kemp is a disgusting and depraved guy 
But the point is, when even Brian Kemp is unwilling to help a Republican, it's because what Trump is asking for is that absurd. And by the way, Brian Kemp, I'm guessing, probably realizes no matter what he does, even if he were able to overturn Georgia, Joe Biden still wins. So why would he do it? This last one is genius. Trump says that they, I, I guess, meaning Biden, Democrats, his opponents, they are winning on technicalities like the Supreme Court saying Texas doesn't have standing to bring the lawsuit, which we're going to talk about in a moment. No judge has had the courage, including the Supreme Court. I am so disappointed in them. No judge, including the Supreme Court of the right. United States, has had the courage to allow it to be heard. The Supreme Court, all they did is say we don't have standing. So he, they're saying essentially that the president of the United States and Texas and these other states, great states, they don't have standing. They didn't go into the evidence. If you would look at the evidence, thousands of pages of evidence, we have over a thousand right. affidavits from people. So Trump again mentions affidavits, which are neither here nor there. And when we looked at the affidavits, they actually read like comedy scripts. But the issue of standing is an important one. The Supreme Court did decide, uh, did, did say Texas does not have standing to challenge the results in these four states. Now, in law, standing means you can demonstrate to the court that you're connected to the harm from the action that is being challenged or from the law that is being challenged. And that supports you being in the case. So if I want to bring a lawsuit, I have to have some kind of standing, some connection to I'm being affected in some way or, or, or whatever the case may be for Texas to have standing and suing over the results in Georgia, Pennsylvania, whatever. You would have to say, and this is, I think, roughly the argument they made. Well, if the Georgia and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, if those elections were fraudulent, it essentially devalues the election we held in Texas. It makes our election not matter. It disenfranchises Texas if other elections are fraudulent, as they claim. It's very, very loose. And Supreme Court said no. So it's not a technicality. It's it's sort of a fundamental issue when it comes to one's ability to bring complaints to courts and then absolutely last clip. And then we're, we're going to move on. Donald Trump was asked, given that the Supreme Court did this, is it all over? And Trump says, no, we're going to keep going. Found out late last night that uh, the Supreme Court would not hear the Texas case. It did not have standing, according to them. I so judge by judging by your tweets, you're very, uh, very disappointed in that. Is it over? No, it's not over. We keep going and we're going to continue to go forward. We have numerous local cases where, you know, in some of the states that got. To now, what are the next stages of keeping going? I don't know. So an absolutely disgusting interview, another one in the books for Donald Trump. There are fewer remaining sort of be, be pleased by that, at least with Trump as president. Later today, we'll talk about the electoral vote certification that's happening and big announcement. January 1st, 2021. OK, first day of the new year, we are going to be doing a January 1, 2021 membership special, the likes of which this country has never seen. Now, because these these discounts that we do are so huge, they may be illegal under a Biden administration. So before Biden comes in and says no more discounts that are this big, we are doing a January one single day membership drive. I would really encourage you to participate in this to be notified. Just get on our newsletter at davidpackman.com.
Very, very easy. Get on our newsletter January one. You'll get an email saying here's how you sign up. An amazing, amazing day it's going to be. And last, absolutely last thing, uh, follow the David Packman show on Instagram where you have uh, the ability to see even more clips of the show. The David Packman Show at davidpackman.com. Privacy.com is one of our sponsors, and they're giving you $5 just for using their free service at privacy.com slash Pacman. Privacy is a service I've been using for a while now. I love it. It saves me a bunch of headaches. It's completely free, and it's very quick to set up. And here's how it works. When you pay for something online or over the phone, instead of exposing your real credit card number, privacy lets you generate virtual card numbers. The payments are withdrawn from your checking account, but your real card number stays completely private and you do it all with one click. You can autofill the card number in your web browser on the phone. You can create 12 virtual cards a month. You can set spending limits, freeze them, delete them whenever you want. I especially love it for free trials where you need to give a credit card number because I can destroy the virtual card number as soon as I give it to the company and I know I won't be charged in the future. If you're ordering food over the phone, why do I need to give a restaurant my real card number? If I don't have to companies don't have to know who you are. Your real credit card number is protected from the data breaches that happen unfortunately more often than we would like and it's completely free. They do have a paid version with different tiers where you can create more virtual credit card numbers per month, cashback rewards, extra security features. But go ahead and sign up for the free service. It's a no brainer. Companies can't charge you unexpectedly. You're protected from identity theft. It costs you nothing. And privacy is giving you five dollars to spend just for signing up when you go to privacy.com slash Pacman. You may not have known this, but when you see me sitting here on the show, I am often wearing shirts by a company called Teddy Stratford. I asked them to be a sponsor because they are by far my favorite shirts that I own with almost all other slim fit button up shirts I've worn. You get this annoying stretched out gap in the chest where the buttons are, which does not look good. But what makes Teddy Stratford shirts unique is this patented zipper that's hidden underneath the buttons, which actually prevents the chest from looking weird and stretched out like that. It looks really good. And just all around, they cut the entire shirt in a specific way that makes your upper body look a lot better. It's just a much nicer and more stylish fit than you get from other shirts. And they hand make everything with 100% Egyptian cotton and flat felled seams, which means it's going to be a lot more durable than other shirts and last a lot longer, which I really love. Go check them out at davidpackman.com slash Teddy. The link is in the podcast notes and they'll give you 15% off your first order. If you use the coupon code Pacman at checkout, that's P-A-K-M-A-N. Welcome back to the David Pakman show. So we're continuing to cover what is a sort of emerging Republican civil war between Trumpists and non Trumpists. Actually, it's, it's really Trump cultists and non cultists, because many of the people who are not part of the cult did vote Trump, but they recognize that, like, for example, Trump lost and it's tr time to move on. So it's really the cultists versus the non cultists. And it's been 
titillating and tantalizing to watch this list of Trump enemies grow and grow and grow. And the list of Trump enemies, depending on who you ask, now includes Fox News, Georgia Republican Governor Brian Kemp and Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. The Supreme Court is now an enemy. Judges at lower courts are enemies, uh, county commissioners and, and vote counters. Um, the Republican Party itself has become an enemy to some degree. And here's just like a little bit of insight into how deep these delusional conspiracy theories go. Fox News is now being pulled into it. Prominent Trump cultist and my pillow salesman, Mike Lindell, came up with this one at this weekend's million MAGA march, which fell a little short of a million MAGA people showing up. And the claim is that Fox News is not just coincidentally bad because they acknowledge Trump lost. The claim is Fox News is part of a plot along with, I guess, the left and voters to overthrow Donald Trump. Listen to this one. Here is Mike Lindell laying it out. Think, uh, why do you think Fox declared Arizona with only 14 percent of the vote in? They already knew what they did. They were in on it. You know, I'm serious. They had to be in on it. You don't know this stuff. I mean, all this stuff. And and you know what? It's not just the it's not just the ones behind this that are going to end up, you know, being being spot and they should all go to prison when they are found out. And but how about the Republicans out there? All of this stuff, that's a technical term, I guess. Fox News was in on all of this stuff, says Mike Lindell. But there it is. Fox News should go to prison when it's all said and done, he says. It's genuinely hilarious that now there's a big criticism of Fox News from the right, but for completely the wrong reasons. Fox News is sort of like Rand Paul. Broken clocks eventually will get to something that's right. Uh, and in this case, it's that the daytime Fox News people are saying Trump lost. But now suddenly the right is going nuts and turning on Fox News. He generally uh, Mike Lindell uh, seems generally disconnected from reality. He also says that the Supreme Court will vote nine to nothing on something and give the election to Trump. What's going to happen is it's going to be it's so blatant, everyone, that let, I'm going to call my hand fraud and I'm going to call my foot that there was no fraud. All nine of those Supreme Court justices are going to vote nine zero because they here's your is that a hand or a foot? And they're going to go. It's a hand. There was massive fraud of epic proportions. And 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 then it's going to unite our country. It's going to unite our country. And when this comes out years from now, when we're going to look back on this day, we're going to say, wow, God had his hands in all of this. And this had to happen in order to make a, the future brighter for every single person in the United States and the world. Now, that's not just some random guy, Mike Lindell of my pillow fame. Trump actually had him at the White House a few months ago as part of a coronavirus briefing. And he actually spoke and said Trump is a blessing from God, a gift from God of some kind. On the previous day, he said we are now in the end times, which is usually a pretty big red flag. In my experience, if someone starts talking about the end times as something that explains day to day events, you're dealing with a full blown lunatic. And that's what Mike Lindell seems to be. Take a look. And then all of you, I want to thank every one of you for coming out to support 
This isn't our prayer. This is support. Support the world is watching elections that have to be fair in the country and the world because otherwise it's end times, which we're probably already in anyway. But they, but that's a good thing. That Jesus loves you all. God bless you. This is really a guy that I wouldn't even trust about pillows, and he's a pillow salesman, never mind about politics. Another completely out of this world moment was when another speaker actually promoted pillows sold by Mike Lindell, I guess because my pillow is one of the very few sponsors of this event. This is just unbelievable. Take a look. Give him a hand clap. And a special thank you to the co-sponsor that really helped fund a lot of this. Mr. My Pillow himself, Mike Lindell. Amazing patriot, loves his country, loves us, loves the president, and the president loves him. And I got to tell you, I love his codes, right? I love his pillows, I love his sheets, I love his mattress topper, and I love his codes because you know what? The Kraken has been released. You are part of the Kraken. So, for the best deals to support this Patriot, use the code Kraken at MyPillow.com. we got to show him some love. He doesn't talk about a lot of the hell that he goes through behind the scenes, friends. That I mean, listen, guys, that coupon code, I have to admit, that's an even crazier coupon code than anything I've uh, I, I've offered. I actually did not watch any of this million MAGA thing over the weekend. I sort of checked out of politics over the weekend. And I still found myself thinking about Mike Lindell, not something I recommend people do, but I'm in the market for a new pillow. Now, by in the market, I'm not it's not I'm not really in the market. I, I, I know exactly what pillow I want to get. I want to get another pillow just like the one I have. And as I was making a mental note to pull off the pillowcase and check what kind of a pillow I have, I thought to myself, Imagine if I went and bought one of those my pillow pillows. I then immediately put it out of my mind and ordered the exact same pillow I already have. Moved on with my day and then was presented uh, last night, confronted last night with videos of Mike Lindell saying uh, the Supreme Court will vote nine nothing and give this election to Trump. Not going to happen, but what might happen is Mike Lindell runs for governor. I think where, was it Minnesota that he's thinking of running in? Bizarre guy and the type of seedy character that gets front and center placement from the current administration. But the big story here is all of these enemies cropping up within the Republican Party and Trump cultists. And I want to have sort of a bigger discussion about that next. So this is this is actually very serious because this could be uh, this could be the start of a ramp up of violence by Trump supporters as we approach Inauguration Day for President elect Joe Biden. Um, as I mentioned earlier, there was another one of these million MAGA marches in D.C. this weekend. This time, the Trump supporters, the Proud Boys, the white supremacists, they were actually starting to get violent, setting fires to Black Lives Matter banners, including at churches, getting into stabbing fights, multiple arrests. We'll talk about it more on the bonus show. But what I really want to focus on today is not that part, because we'll get to that a little bit later but rather how this is all part of a building Republican civil war between factions of the right. You've got the crazy right and the really crazy right that are kind of battling. And one of the chants that was heard this weekend in Washington, D.C. at this march was destroy the GOP, destroy the Republican Party. 
And the reasons that different Trumpists are mad at Republicans are numerous and wide ranging. It's actually funny. Different elements of the Trump cult are mad at the Republican Party or Republicans, but for different reasons that sometimes conflict. It's a comedy of errors, but one that could have real reper repercussions over the next few years and, and election cycles. Some Trumpists are mad at the Republican Party because some Republican officials like Brian Kemp in Georgia haven't been willing to overtly try to steal the election for Donald Trump, and they're furious at uh, Brian Kemp. They're furious at Brad Raffensperger, the secretary of state in Georgia, and so on. Others are mad at the Republican Party because they're mad that the right wing Supreme Court justices refused to hear a completely bogus lawsuit about non-existent voter fraud. So some of the ire is there. And why don't you Republicans do more to hold these people accountable? Apparently not understanding how the Supreme Court works. Other Trump cultists are mad at Fox News because they uh, because Fox News acknowledges that Joe Biden won at least during like the daytime programming on their network. So this is interesting stuff. Here is a guy introducing another guy named Nick Fuentes, who's from one of these like extra radical pro Trump wings of the right, saying right wingers like Charlie Kirk and Ben Shapiro uh, essentially aren't radical enough. And, and in fact, you know, now I'm questioning. I don't know if Nick Fuentes is still part of a pro Trump right or if they've separated. It, it's a complete and total mess. But listen to what was said here. Ben Shapiro does not believe in America first. Yeah, he started the Never Trump movement. Ben Shapiro is a subversive. So now Ben Shapiro is too far left, I guess, partially because Ben Shapiro was anti-Trump. Um, it, it, it's initially, even though Ben Shapiro voted for Trump and then out comes Nick Fuentes himself and he gets a destroy the Republican Party chant going. And the first million MAGA marks, we promised that if the GOP would not do everything in their power to keep Trump in office, then we would destroy the GOP. Yeah. And as we gather here in Washington, D.C. for a second million MAGA march, we're done making promises. It has to happen now. We are going to destroy the GOP. So, of course, in thinking about the future of the Republican Party, th there's like an actual academic discourse to be had about the future of the two party system and the future of the Republican Party within that and changing demographics and how that might influence things and gerrymandering and redistricting. But then there's sort of like this other uh, uh, question mark, which is if Trump remains really visible after leaving office, that will have a very different effect on these subgroups in the Republican Party than if Trump disappears from view. And we won't know that for, for a few weeks. There could be a big reconciliation among the right and all of these elements come back together. Uh, it, it's you know, this is not an irreversible grudge that we are seeing. If Trump leaves, all of these groups may quickly realize, hey, what we really hate is the left and they'll be back together in no time. On the other hand, if Donald Trump remains visible once he's out of office and continues weaponizing the cultists against other aspects of the Republican Party, this could continue for some time. Remember what Lindsey Graham said, I guess it was four or five years ago now. If we nominate Trump, we will get destroyed and we will deserve it. 
maybe Looney Lindsay really was onto something there. And it would be great if this did end up throwing the Republican Party into such chaos that they implode for a few election cycles. I do think we should encourage it. I mean, why not foment the feeling when you're talking to traditional Republicans that these Trumpists are making them look insane? And then when you're talking to the Trumpists, foment the idea that these traditional Republicans clearly aren't committed to their movement and they've betrayed them on this election issue. I think it's an absolutely great idea. Um, but to, to really know what the future of this is going to be, we have to see what happens after the Biden inauguration. How, how visible does Trump remain and sort of go from there? I don't think we'll really know whether the Republican Party is gearing up for a sustained civil war until it's more clear what role, if any, Trump will have within the Republican Party uh, after January 20th. So we will wait for that. And after the break, I will tell you all about what is taking place today to make that uh, inauguration of Joe Biden um, an inevitable reality via the official vote of the Electoral College. The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. I want to let you know that our sponsor Vincero Watches is having a massive holiday sale on all of their products right now. And you can take advantage of it by going to davidpackman.com slash watch a brand new high quality wristwatch really is the perfect way to add something fresh to your style, whether it's for you or a gift for someone else. Vincero is a brand that has a serious dedication to the craft of watchmaking, which is really evident when you look closely at their watches. I wear Vincero watches myself. Lately, I've been wearing one from their Icon Automatic collection. It's the mesh matte black watch, and I love the sleek, minimalist design. Their watches are actually sold at a fair price. Their mission has always been to make a wristwatch from high end materials, but one that everyday people can afford. And that's why they have over twenty five thousand five star reviews, because you won't find a better made watch for this great of a price anywhere else. You can get big holiday discounts on all of their products right now and free shipping when you go to davidpackmancom slash watch. I've put the link in the podcast notes. The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. So, this is a really interesting little story about uh, jealousy, envy, double standards, probably about sexism as well. It's really about a lot of different things, and it relates to uh, the soon to be first lady of the United States. As many of you know, Joe Biden's wife is Jill Biden. Jill Biden is the incoming first lady of the United States. Jill Biden has a doctorate in education, and she's often referred to as Dr. Jill Biden. Now, she doesn't introduce herself that way. She doesn't say hi. Oh, uh, 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 Mr. Mr. Eggman in, in Iowa voter. Yes. Hi, I'm Dr. Jill Biden. No, but she's referred to as Dr. Jill Biden by many. Now, it's true that she's not a medical doctor. That is not a secret. That is not you've not uncovered some deception. Uh, and the fact that she is being referred to as Dr. Jill Biden, partially without being a medical doctor, is triggering Trumpists <laughs> in absolutely hilarious fashion. And um, there are regularly questions about why is she being called Dr. Jill Biden? 
And recently, a guy named Joseph Epstein actually wrote an op ed in the Washington, uh, um, the uh, Wall Street Journal. Imagine actually saying, here's something I want to weigh in on, saying Dr. Jill Biden sounds fraudulent. Really, only medical doctors should be calling themselves doctors. Now, the calling themselves thing is interesting because, again, other people are referring to, you know, the media might say or please welcome President elect Joe Biden and a Dr. Jill Biden or, or whatever. She's not insisting. Excuse me. That's Dr. Jill Biden to you. But this is actually a really old trope and discussion. This is this is not new to Jill Biden. And the goal of the writer is made even more clear by his suggestion that instead of doctor, she be called Madam First Lady or Mrs. Biden or Jill or kiddo, which, of course, is increasingly patronizing as you go through the list of names that Joseph Epstein says should be applied to, to uh, Jill Biden. Now, one of the reactions to this is this is merely sexism. OK, the the the, the claim being if Jill Biden were a man, if it was if it was, uh, you know, Dr. Jeremy Biden, Nobody would be triggered about the use of the term doctor, even if it was um, a, a doctorate of education rather than a medical doctor. I, I do believe there is a degree of, of that for sure. There's no doubt that this partially is a story because it's Jill Biden and not Jeremy Biden or, or a man. But there's actually more to this because there are some who are saying the issue is the term doctor isn't relevant to the job she will be doing as first lady. And that's why she shouldn't be referred to as Dr. Jill Biden. Well, maybe. But if the issue is the term doctor and its relevance, why do we constantly refer to Dr. Ben Carson when we talk about secretary of housing and urban development? And what I mean by that is Dr. Ben Carson is a medical doctor, but he's secretary of HUD, a position for which I mean, first of all, a position for which he's totally unqualified. But there's glee over referring to Dr. Ben Carson because Trump has a doctor working for him. But being a surgeon is completely irrelevant to housing policy. So if it's very transparent to say it's a it's a question of relevance, I would argue having a first lady with this high a degree of education is more relevant than a surgeon running housing policy. That's just me, though. That's if they want to play the relevance game, which to me does expose that at least part of this is is the, the, the gender aspect. And of course, we also have so many examples from history of non medical doctors. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Was that relevant? I mean, I think so. Yeah, uh, it was. I, I don't remember if it was a doctorate in comparative religion or, or theology of some kind. And he was a reverend. So, yeah, I mean, it's it certainly sounds relevant and it was not a medical doctor. And then you know, to really play this game, what about Bill Cosby? Bill Cosby also had a doctorate in education, which he actually actually received at my alma mater, the University of Massachusetts Amherst. And when some were trying to defend him from the numerous sexual assault claims, you would constantly hear Dr. Cosby would never do this. How was a doctorate in education relevant to sex assault? So I think you see the point. And for me, it's less about figuring out, is it merely sexism? For me, it's bigger than that. And this is there's there's a paradigm shift coming in the White House in terms of president and vice president and identity. And there's a group in this country that hates all of it. They don't like that the vice president uh, is a black Asian woman. 
They don't like that the second gentleman is going to be a Jewish man. They don't like that there's a number of Jewish folks on Biden's cabinet, and they don't like that the first lady has a doctorate and sometimes is referred to uh, uh, it, that is referred to in how she is addressed. And part of this is insecurity about themselves and education and knowledge. Imagine feeling so threatened, so insecure about the first lady having a doctorate that you go through the trouble of writing an op ed suggesting she not use it in her name. And that's really what this is about. Now, let's circle back. I, I will never deny that people who insist on being called doctor in non academic settings uh, is often a huge sign of pretension, whether you're a medical doctor or not. I have stories of a guy I knew with a doctorate in sociology who used it to sort of try to flex at everything from restaurant reservations. Yes, it's it's under a uh, 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 Dr. Kesterbaum. Yeah. Um, to like getting priority treatment on flights and don't what don't you have my reservation? Uh, I'm Dr. Eggman or whatever. That's that's pretty cringy. That's not what's going on here. I've never even heard Jill Biden correct anyone and say that's Dr. Jill Biden, please. So this is an absolute and total joke. Now, we do have some good news today. Uh, the Biden Electoral College vote as of this moment is underway. It's December 14th. This was the day many Trumpists said would be the deadline by which this would be completely overturned and today's votes wouldn't happen. But electors have started casting their votes for president around the country. There is no doubt about the winner. Joe Biden today will officially be the president elect. Now, remember all of these right wingers who said the media doesn't decide who's president elect. Well, today the electors will decide who is president elect and Joe Biden will officially be president elect. Now, in terms of how it's all going to happen, each state is doing this on their own schedule. I think the first state started late morning Eastern time. California doesn't vote until 5 p.m. Eastern. And at a certain point, Joe Biden will go over the threshold of 270 electoral votes. Will this be the end of hearing about these nonsense claims and theories and bombshells that are going to interrupt everything from Trumpists? It will not. The focus today will move, I believe, to January 6th. January 6th is when there is a big session of uh, uh, of Congress where the vice president, Mike Pence, will be presiding over the formal counting of these electoral votes. And we are certainly expecting shenanigans between now and then. And also even conceivably, uh, I mean, listen, if you think back to the year 2000, the year 2000, Al Gore, as the vice president, had to preside over the counting when it all came down in an election he was in to that recount that was stopped in Florida. And there were people who stood up and said, I object to this, I object to that. I would imagine that when we have uh, uh, ignorance weaponized to the degree that it's been weaponized over the last four or five weeks, five weeks since the election. Uh, we are going to see some crazy things on December 6th. We may even see some today at the uh, at the state level, but uh, I'm sorry, January 6th will be a day on which we will be seeing some really, really wacky stuff. Uh, but that is today. And this will be I mean, listen, we've been saying it's over for a while. Uh, can we say it's extra over after today? And then after the count is done today, Joe Biden 
formally as president-elect of the United States will be addressing the nation reportedly around 8 p.m. Eastern tonight. I will have coverage live on YouTube, Twitch and Facebook tonight, starting shortly before 8 p.m. on the east, 5 p.m. in the west of Joe Biden's first address to the nation officially now officially as president-elect. And, and I do predict it'll feel a little bit different than it did uh, when on that Saturday, shortly after the election, Joe Biden addressed the, na the nation. This is certainly more official um, and we will be together starting shortly before 8 p.m. Eastern tonight. See you then. We have a, a voicemail number. That number is two one nine two David P. And I have been getting many voicemails and emails like this one. This one happens to be from the Eggman. Very pleased with the recent changes to the David Pakman show call segments. Take a listen to this from the Eggman. Hey, Dave. In the past, um, when you would take phone calls, that was my least favorite part of the show. But lately, I've been loving it. I love your international calls. I get so excited. I just want to say Singapore and Vienna were your greatest calls this week. I'm dying laughing. I love the international calls. Yeah. Also, your new phone system sounds great with these uh, these callers on Friday. Shalom, brother. Happy Bangaka. All right. Yes. Shalom. And everybody celebrate. I call it Hanukkah. He seemed to call it something else. Um, but uh, I, I have been. So anytime we do anything, some people become irate with me, but we've switched our call system from a phone system to a web based system through discord at discord at uh, davidpackmancom slash discord call quality in terms of audio quality has gone up call quality in terms of the diversity of callers has gone up. We also have the ability to do more screening of callers and have people communicate what they want to ask about if we want. I think it's been a dramatic improvement. I still have some people who are really, really mad. Some who say they don't use Discord, so they can't call. Discord's free. You could just use it um, or not. It's also not mandatory to call in. Um, a couple of other complaints that now I'm, I'm not really rem remembering, but people there's always a contingent that's mad. But I think it has been a dramatic improvement and we've been hearing from callers. I mean, just last week we had Singapore, we had Austria, we had uh, Saudi Arabia or as Trump says it, Saudi. Um, and what else? We uh, many callers from Latin America. So that's all great stuff. And there's this whole other discussion forum on Discord as well, which you can find at davidpackman.com slash discord on today's bonus show. California is proposing some new rules for police officers where you either have to be at least 25 years old or have a bachelor's degree. The idea I believe is that a disproportionate number of the bad cop complaints are some of the very young officers often without college degrees. So if you say the only way to be an officer is uh, if you're under 25 is to have a bachelor's degree, uh, you could maybe eliminate that. Now, of course, there are arguments on the other side that this is um, uh, unfairly removing a large swath of possible uh, officers because of what may be an economic hardship preventing them from getting a college degree. So we're going to talk about that and the implications on the bonus show. We will talk about the violence and arrests at the uh, Trump supporter rally in Washington, D.C. over the weekend. There was a lot of insanity. And we will also talk about another sports team. This time it's the Cleveland baseball team, which is dropping the Indian nickname after much controversy. We saw Washington Redskins become, the, I believe now they're just the Washington football team. 
So we will talk about that and its implications and more. Get instant access to this great bonus show by becoming a member at joinpacman.com. And remember that on January 121, 1121, we will have a huge membership special for which you need only get on our newsletter mailing list at davidpacman.com to be notified on the first day of the new year about this wild membership special. I'll see you then.